0: Welcome back to Butterless Popcorn, the podcast where we analyze our favorite movies through a series of outlandish questions. I'm Brett Tworski.
1: I'm Adam Ottenheimer.
0: This movie, as you just said, is so relatable to us.
1: There are legitimately groups of people, I'm sure, that think of Robert De Niro almost as a comedic actor.
0: This movie, in 2004, she was only 18, but she was an international superstar. Everyone knew who Lindsay Lohan was.
1: Borden is is Tim Duncan, but then yes. you know James Harden is kind of like that Angier. The other one is Mikowski.
0: Oh, that's a hot take. I can't wait to rewatch it <laughs> and to talk to you about that that atrocious yet incredible movie for an hour. Welcome back to Butterless Popcorn. Today, Adam, we're talking about a classic that just turned 45 years old this month in June even though this will be launched in July we're talking about jaws take it away
1: 1975 movie directed by Steven Spielberg honestly it it's a movie that does not feel like it's 45 years old i was watching it the other day and i felt it could be could have been made you know 20 years ago it's it's that production is that good and it's so well done from start to finish i I don't know. I don't. I don't have any words for it, honestly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it, it it holds up insanely well. So, right before we started recording, you were telling me about you. You recently watched it, and you were almost speechless.
1: I was speechless. Well, this is the first. So, I've seen scenes of this movie before, but I don't think I've ever actually watched it all the way through. Sure. Which is crazy. Yeah. And when i was watching it there were there were moments where i'm like oh yeah no i remember this part sure and i was like oh i love this but going all the way through and having the appreciation for the full movie by the time i got to like i want to say halfway or something i my jaw was just oh, permanently the, on the floor the first
0: hour is unbelievable like before yeah. the before they even go out to to kill the shark in their in their journey to see the first hour is is impeccable
1: I mean, it starts out and someone dies right away. And yeah. you're like, well, fuck.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Look at this. Well, like th- and, two people yeah. die within the first like 15 minutes.
1: Yeah, you got a kid. Yeah. <laughs> a kid is eaten. I mean, it, it's just somehow they, they make it too. So where, you know, there's this horror and death, but you don't want to look away. You got You got to just keep watching. And that's what I love about it so much. It's not one of those like... Nowadays, I feel like a lot of horror films, you know, they're pretty gruesome, and you kind of got to turn your eyes away, you know, you got to cover your eyes and kind of peek through your fingers to see what's going on next in the movie, but for this, it's just like, I think, I think I was sitting closer to my screen with every scene that happened. I was just moving closer to the TV. I just couldn't stop. No,
0: I totally agree. The whole film, it just, it just drags you in the whole time, so... Based off of the 1974 novel of the same name, Jaws was directed by, as we said, Steven Spielberg and released in June 1975, and so for listeners who don't know, Jaws is about a great white shark attacking beachgoers in a small town called Amity Island, which is off the coast of New England, I believe, and basically when enough is enough, people are dying. The police chief, a quirky marine biologist, and a local nut and shark hunter team up to (laughs) <laughs> to kill the beast. I mean, it's it's a it's a simple plot, but you know it it it, it is absolutely spectacular in the in the direction from from Spielberg. Uh, so an interesting backstory, how it came to fruition. So it is based off of the novel, as we said, and Universal Pictures acquired the rights to the film in 1973 before the novel was even published, and the producers read the book. In a single night, and the next morning they said it was the most exciting thing they had ever read, and they needed to turn into a movie. So kind of interesting when we when we did the social network Adam, we talked about how Aaron Sorkin, the screenwriter, started writing the social network before the book was even published. Kind of the that same line here, except like forty years earlier
1: yeah it's it's really interesting too, when you see I feel like with the movies that we've done, it's one of two things, either it comes together very quickly. <clears throat> Or it's like a director or writer's life experience over time that they're trying to relive, and I I always love you know knowing the inspiration behind each of these and and how it all comes together. But I remember reading as well Steven Spielberg, who by the way was twenty six years old that is, at the time.
0: I, that is, I'm like dumbfounded by that. I, I it, absolutely Brad, dumbfounded. Us. Yeah, that's us. That's us. We're sitting
1: here recording a damn podcast. This guy's making one of the greatest movies ever made.
0: It's really and it was his third movie. It was his third yeah. movie. Like you think about Steven Spielberg, he's been doing but he's been doing this for fifty years now. That was his third movie and arguably his best one. We'll get to that later, but 26
1: 26 yeah, I, What an asshole. That <laughs> guy's know. incredible.
0: Unbelievable. It's a,
1: but I, I remember reading he was just ecstatic. I mean he wanted to do this movie so bad. Yeah. He had the perfect vision for it. And I mean like you said, I, I I'll, I'll say now. I think it's his best work. Yeah. Um, you know, we we've got the Mount Rushmore later in in the pod, but uh, absolutely phenomenal work. But top down. I mean, Spielberg, the whole cast. There was no one when I was watching this that I was really complaining about, wishing that there was either a better actor, or actress, or this. Oh, the score. Oh, John don't Williams. even get me started oh on the God. score. Oh,
0: Jesus! It's. Well, we will get to that. We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna I mean, that. just we're just, just everything
1: it. though. Everything is beautiful.
0: It's unbelievable. So, at the time of its release in 1975, Jaws was the highest-grossing box office film ever. It had a budget of nine million. It was supposed to be four million the budget, and then there were so yeah, many delays. Yeah, they blew right by it. <laughs> blew right by it. So, on a budget of nine million, Jaws grossed four hundred and seventy-one million, which is disgusting.
1: Uh, that's that's a hell of an investment. <laughs> Absolutely gross.
0: But and because it it had such success at the box office, Jaws became that typical summer blockbuster and it was actually monumental in in film history. So, it had a lot of advertising on on television commercials behind it as well, which wasn't really a thing before then and just for promoting these these action adventure movies with You know, that that again, or that that summer blockbuster series, uh, they really set the standard for what that is today. So basically what I'm saying is, if Jaws came out today, The Rock would be in it. (laughs) The
1: Rock? God, I don't know if I could watch it with The Rock. No, I I couldn't. I mean, who who
0: does he play? Does he play uh, Brody? He's totally Brody. He's he's absolutely Brody. There's no question. I mean, I don't I would want to. But what I'm saying is because The Rock is when you think of summer blockbuster movies in 2020, it's The Rock.
1: Isn't he like the highest grossing actor right now? I or think something he is. Like he's like, he's, <laughs> he's got to be. The, he's got to be. It's absurd. He's got
0: to be. It's absurd. It's ridiculous. Um, so, <laughs> Jaws was unbelievable. It won three Oscars for Best Film Editing, Best Original Score by John Williams, and then Best Sound. And then it was nominated for Best Picture and lost to One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest with Jack Nicholson. Controversial. But uh, it, it's... Yeah, I mean, well deserving for all of those. Uh, as you said, this movie just steals you when you watch it. It just it just swarms you right in.
1: And it it sticks with films. You know, there's there's a number of films I think afterwards that have referenced whether it's the score or the idea of a shark coming up underneath and attacking. So that's really interesting too. But really, you know, you mentioned how this was like the summer movie. This was the box office King for a while. I think star Wars was the one that ultimately overtook it at the box office. Yeah. Having a bigger opening, uh, opening weekend. But, uh, I mean, between the two of those movies, y- you could, if those were the only two movies ever made, I'd be okay. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fair. And the internship. I'm not, I'm not a big, yeah, that
0: <laughs> <laughs> Jaws, Star Wars, at the internship. <laughs> right. Um, So quick note about Spielberg, because we talked about it, you know, the fact that he was 26 and and this was his third movie. And something pretty interesting that I read that he actually, once production began, he actually wanted out of the project because he feared of becoming typecast as the, quote, truck and shark director. And then the, the producers at Universal assured him that that wouldn't happen. He'd be able to pursue whatever ventures he wanted afterwards. So he carried on. That just made me think, what if Steven Spielberg drops out of this project? It's... What the hell happens was, with this movie? It,
1: I mean, if there's Michael Bay in 1975, this is <laughs> on a T for him. Uh, this is this is vintage Michael Bay. Just explosions. You just have sharks exploding all the time. But
0: yeah, seriously. But the the you know the what am I trying to say here? It would not be as tense as a film. It wouldn't no. be as as you surface level, really. And, yeah, it would exactly. Steven Spielberg brings all of those elements of the great filmmaker that he is to the screen with Jaws. I think it just encapsulates, encapsulates everything that he is.
1: Absolutely. And then, you know, a couple other notes here. Uh, we we brought up Star Wars, but as part of the casting here, so there's some interesting names that were floated around. Robert Duvall was one of them, yeah. actually, who was uh, asked to be Brody, but I think he wanted to be Hooper was what I was reading. And I think
0: it's Quint. Was it Quint? Oh, Quint. You're right. Quint.
1: You're right. You're right. He wanted to be Quint. Um, And another one. I think George Lucas actually recommended uh, that Dreyfus was would would play Hooper. Oh, wow. And there were there were a couple other names that they were floating um, to to be Hooper, and they couldn't really land on one until George Lucas was like, hey, you know, why don't why don't you give this guy? Why don't you give Richard Dreyfus a try? So, um, you know, I think. Uh, what was it Jeff Bridges was was <laughs> rumored to be in there? Imagine Jeff Bridges in this movie. Hey, I mean, that
0: I love Jeff Bridges. Uh, I I don't know who would he have been.
1: Uh, he, he was he was up for the role of Hooper.
0: Oh, it would have been Hooper. Okay, yeah. Ah, I don't know. No, I, I don't see it.
1: He's too tough. Maybe, maybe Quint. Yeah, I would say he's more of a. Yeah, Quint he'd be guy,
0: he'd be more but... Quint. But that's really interesting. Yeah. So about the about some of these actors. So that's really interesting that they offered the role to Robert Duvall. I mean, he was pretty known by then, having been in uh, in The Godfather a few years before. But Spielberg said he didn't want to hire any any big names, and he wanted the shark to be the star of the movie. Which I feel God, like I think that. we can both agree that the shark is definitely the star of this film.
1: Hundred percent. Oh, I love that mindset there. I think I read also that they were trying to use a like they were trying to train a shark at one point. <laughs> Yeah. And then they're like, Oh, this is not gonna work. That is
0: that's if that happened, this would I mean, there's debate that this is already the greatest film of all time. If they actually had trained a great white to literally act in this film, this would be the greatest film of all time. Hands down, no debate at all. Nuts. It would be the greatest yeah, achievement I mean, in the history of film production.
1: The history of mankind. Yeah, seriously. One <laughs> small step for man,
0: white. one giant leap for Steven Spielberg.
1: Seriously, a 26-year-old Steven Spielberg, but no, a- absolutely incredible from from start to finish. Like I said, jaw on the floor the whole time. Yeah. The cast is perfect. I, I really have nothing else to, to say about how good this movie really is.
0: No, me neither. I mean, it was so good that three sequels came out of it and they all sucked. Um, yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> that's one thing that Jaws Revenge, <laughs> oh, you know, starring our boy, Michael Kane. Yes. <laughs> and... I think it's regarded as like the worst one of the worst movies ever made.
0: <laughs> I'm not surprised. There it, it's yeah. It,
1: it's like a ten percent on Rotten Tomatoes or something. It's brutal. Like that. I mean
0: Spielberg didn't have a hand in any of them, which already says no. something. But it was yeah, they all sucked. Uh, unlike Back <laughs> to the Future, which has a few sequels that are all pretty pretty solid.
1: Uh, don't get me started. But uh
0: yeah, all, the sequels were bad, but it really doesn't matter because this first film, Jaws, is is timeless. I know I say that on a lot of our podcasts, but this movie will stand the test of time and is going to be talked about for as long as movies are a thing.
1: 100%. Yeah. Should we get into
0: some categories, Adam?
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: All right, Adam, starting off with our favorite scenes in Jaws. There are a lot, and it was really hard for me to for me to trim these down and decide. Give me some of your favorite scenes here.
1: So I'm, I'm sure we have some overlap, but I yeah. I actually really enjoy when everyone's eaten. Oh, of course. <laughs> and I, the, the amount of suspense that leads up to it, the camera work that's done, the score, like we've mentioned, everything coming into play is fantastic. So, you know, when Chrissy's eaten, when Alex Kittner's eaten, uh, that's fantastic. Both of those. the I'll be honest, too. The Ben Gardner boat scene. when when his face that scared the
0: shit out of me it's great no that 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 is that might be the most terrifying scene in the movie because you don't see that's the one you don't see it coming you know
1: no yeah he the the face comes out of nowhere that no that that really got me so i had to i had to mention that one and then the last three i have here on succession but quint hooper and chief you know spending the night on the orca Shooting the shit, telling stories, singing. Yeah. The camaraderie there is fantastic. Um, And then Quint getting eaten? Holy shit. Amazing.
0: Unreal, right?
1: Uh, Yeah, I was... Uh, look, I had my jaw to the floor the whole time, <laughs> but when this happened, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then, shortly after, Chief blows up the fucking shark. Yeah, baby. <laughs> what i just i I lost my shit there i i will be honest i replayed chief blowing up the shark three times oh my god the other night when i was watching the movie i saw it and i was like hold on what and then i rewinded it watched it again and then just for fun i had to watch it again but i couldn't get enough of it so that i mean that's that's my ultimate winner though so like the final so like
0: the final eight minutes
1: (laughs) pretty much yeah I mean it's 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 the best film in 8 minutes. I it's it might be the best I've seen.
0: Yeah, it's pretty unreal. Those are some great choices. So, a lot of those I have all the killing scenes. When I was younger, I used to love that opening scene more than anything when Chrissy gets eaten because mm-hmm. it immediately you know what what this movie's going to be about. And it's terrifying too. I mean, that scene yeah. has Scarred everyone, every single person who has seen this movie for life about going swimming at night, especially yeah. in an well, open, and it, open it, water.
1: It, it comes out of nowhere because, you know, it starts out they're partying, they're having a good time, yeah. you know, you got a little bit of lust going and on. And that guy's and drunk,
0: then... stumbling around everywhere.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're like, it's lighthearted, it's funny, and then boom, dead.
0: Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. <laughs> um, So besides the killing scenes, and I'll get to the Alex Kittner one in a minute, Um, I love just to rattle some mine off Quint's introduction in the boardroom meeting when he scratches the chalkboard i love that because it's the first time we see him and you immediately you're like this guy is fucking nuts he is a madman and everyone is like oh my god Quint is crazy so i love that um i love when brody's son goes into shock when he has his little sailboat during when the guy in that red canoe gets eaten that's a great mm-hmm. scene as well. Just the look on his son's face there is pretty incredible. Um, mm-hmm. And, and that, Ellen
1: Brody is is fantastic in that too. Terrific. Yeah,
0: when she's, yeah. When she's losing it. He's dead! He's not dead. He's in yep. shock. Yeah, really <laughs> yeah. great.
1: Um, so
0: to go on your point about when they spend the night together on the orca, that whole sequence is great, but specifically when Quint gives the speech about the— the Indianapolis submarine that got, that got sunk during world war two. That is like one of the best monologues I've ever heard in a film in my entire life.
1: Uh, I couldn't, could not agree more. How long was that? That was like a four minute monologue. Yeah. Something
0: like that. Unbelievable. Robert Shaw, who plays Quint played that spectacularly and it's terrifying. It's terrifying. Utterly terrifying. So I, that's in my best scene sequence, but I may put that more in best quote. We'll get to that in a few minutes, but, uh, my scene of the movie is when Alex Kittner gets eaten. Because, Oof. so, for for a couple of reasons. One, the suspense that builds up right when that scene starts is great. Because Brody had already heckled the mayor for the first time to, to close the beaches. The mayor said, listen, it wasn't a shark attack. Uh, it was just a propeller accident or something. And so Brody's sitting there the whole time on edge. And he's, like, looking around, making sure everything's okay. And then all of a sudden, it, it starts when that guy is calling for his dog to come back and you don't know, and his dog's not there. And you see the little like bone flopping in the water. And then in the background, you see Alex Kittner, his, his raft is like flopping around and then you see blood. And the moment oh. that, that drags me in. And I think this is it's one of the greatest shots of all time is the, is the zoom in and close up on Brody's face. When the score yep. picks up your gut drops in that scene. And you know, his gut is dropping like in that moment. And he's like, Oh my God. And it's like the I have chills talking about this right now. Cause that the death of Alex Kittner is when Brody knows that this is for real.
1: That, that is another level. It, to me watching it too. I couldn't believe that a kid was actually going to get killed. Yeah. I feel like movies nowadays, you know, that doesn't happen. It would <laughs> be like close, but it wouldn't actually happen. And and you, you feel that, to your point, you feel that exact same feeling of Brody, who can't believe that a kid is actually getting killed. And then, to piggyback off of that, the scene of when Kittner's mom, oh, I forget her name, yeah. confronts Brody. I mean, come <sighs> on.
0: Gut-wrenching.
1: Yeah, there's... there's You're you're really... I know we said Jaws, you know, the shark is, is the star, but the entire time you're taken through the emotion of Brody. Yeah. And you feel it so much the whole way.
0: Yeah. It's really unbelievable. And then that scene with Kittner just has a great ending when everyone's on the shore and then the mother, she's looking for Alex and all you see is that bloody torn raft washing ashore. Oh Oh, God. It's unreal. So good. All right. So, So
1: you're going, you're going with the very dark scene of, of Kittner. Oh yeah. You bet. Um, I'm going the other way around of, you know, leading to, to the good times, but (laughs) (laughs) to each their own there. Um, Brett, speaking of maybe a happy go lucky, jolly good times here, if you could take one of the scenes and it could be one of them that we, we've already mentioned here, but if you could take one and turn it into a musical, which one are you going with?
0: So, you know, me with these scenes, I like to, I like to combine a few together. Um, you know, I, I think I do have a future in in directing musicals. So uh, Oh, absolutely. You know, I, uh, I, I pride myself on this category. But uh, this is a, a Chief Brody-only song and dance. It begins when um, Kittner's mother, as that scene we are just talking about, when she calls him out on the dock and she slaps him, and it's that really heart-wrenching scene. And Brody, after that, is so embarrassed and torn by it because he knows that he was wrong and that he should have done better. So right after that scene uh if we're picturing on stage uh you know he gets slapped they all walk off brody stands on stage and he breaks out into a a really melancholy maybe piano ballad song i should have known better i was in charge but mayor vaughn said no we need the beaches (laughs) large and then it bounces around to a few other scenes
1: nice rhyme by the way that's a oh there's sneak that in there uh, oh there's
0: more (laughs) Uh, and it, it bounces around. It progresses a little more forward with basically Brody being like, "I fucked up. I need to change this. Like, I need to have more courage to really carry on with this and kill this shark." And then this sequence ends with Brody Hooper and Quinn getting on the boat to depart for their mission, and it basically ends with um, you know Brody with a big line: "I can't sit around. I can't let it slide. That shark's had its fun, and now it's gonna die." <laughs> And then they go on the boat for their mission.
1: So that, that's my sequence. Oh man! I've how much time did you spend writing that? Only only a
0: couple <laughs> minutes, honestly. Only a couple. It just came to man, me.
1: Man, a true natural. <laughs> I love it. Yes. What's yours? Uh, no surprise. Mine's mine's quite different. I took <laughs> one scene. Uh, you know, following the rules here. Uh, it's the it's the town hall meeting nice. that you mentioned. Um. But it, it it flows a little bit differently. So what it is is everyone's kind of taking their turn. They're sitting down, and they stand up and start singing. And then when they're done singing, they you know they sit to, uh-huh. sit back down in their chair. But everyone's basically trying to make their pitch, whether to shut down the beaches or keep the economy going. And so you just have like a bunch of people standing up. It's like my business is just a local business. It won't survive. <laughs> Tell me, Brody, do you want to live in fear? <laughs> And then it kind of goes back into, like, some fighting sing-song dialogue between Brody and the people. You know, it's for our safety. We don't need it. Think of your children. They want the beaches. (laughs) And it's, like, back and forth. And it keeps going like that until finally in the back, someone just stands up and just yells, singing so loud. It's, like, enough. I'll do it. I'll kill the shark. And it's Quint. And then everyone starts kind of like dancing around. So it unfolds a little bit as if like, he's going to be the hero that saves the day and kills the shark right away. But it's obviously not how the movie goes, but for the sake of the musical, I'm going to make it end pretty happily like that.
0: Hell yeah. I like it. So it's the, it's just that feud in the town hall meeting. And then Quinn just shuts every Quint just shuts everyone up.
1: It just shuts everyone up. Yeah. Stands just looming large above everyone. I love it. Well, hopefully, kill that son of a bitch.
0: Hopefully when, uh, when we become the producers of Jaws the musical, we'll uh, we'll be able to implement those scenes. Yeah, so, I think we should. <laughs> Adam, this movie is – it is quotable. It's not like a lot of the movies we've done where there's just like so many zingers and whatnot. Um, but there are some heavy and, and great quotes and some funny ones. What are some of your favorite quotes in Jaws?
1: So I got about seven here. I'll list them all off. The first one is actually pretty early in the movie. In the yard, not too far yeah. from the car. I love, <laughs> I love that. that. She's Came like, you sound her. like a New Yorker. Right. That's some bad hat, Harry. <laughs> Classic. Um, Ellen asked Martin, what do I tell the kids? Martin replies, tell them I'm going fishing. That's, That's really when he's good. about to go out. Yep. You're going to need a bigger boat. Mm-hmm. Iconic. It's one of the all-time best. I, I love when Quint says... Chief, put out the fire, will you? And he's so nonchalant about it. <laughs> that there's a fire in the
0: <laughs> And then Chief looks at the fire and he's stunned. He's like, oh my he's God, like, there's holy a fire. shit. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that because that tells you everything you need to know about Quint there. Yeah. Then the last two smile, you son of a.
0: Beautiful. I
1: got to love that. And then I used to hate the water. Can't imagine why. <laughs>
0: some uh, of the final lines of the movie right there.
1: I know, I know that, that last scene. And I'm gonna go with the the final. I used to hate the water. I can't imagine why.
0: No, that's, that's perfect. That's my
1: ultimate winner. That
0: quote actually encapsulates Brody's journey quite well.
1: Mm-hmm. I love so, it. So yeah, I, I take a lot from the final scene, but I mean, it's it's hard not to. What do you what do you have?
0: So I'm actually happy. We don't have a lot of overlap here. So I'll just, okay. I'll rattle some of mine off. Uh, Want to get drunk and fool around? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <Don't be kidding. laughs> nice.
0: Um, this next one. <laughs> they're all going to die. <laughs> when we meet Hooper for the first time, and he's trying to yell at those people to not go out, and they're like, shut up! And he's like, ah, they're yeah. all going to die. Um, <clears throat> they caught a shark, not the shark. Love that one. I had you're going to need a bigger boat. And then, so my winner, I have a tie. I have a tie. So the first one is this is not a boating accident and it wasn't any propeller and it wasn't any coral reef and it wasn't Jack the Ripper. It was a shark. Love that from Hooper. And then that is my tie with a – so we talked about uh, Quint's Indianapolis speech. I took a little, mm-hmm. bl- took a little blurb from it, <clears throat> the part that really sent shivers down my spine the most. You know the thing about a shark He's got lifeless eyes, black eyes, like a doll's eyes. When he comes at you, doesn't seem to be living until he bites you, and those black eyes roll over white. And then all you hear, that terrible high-pitched screaming, and the ocean turns red. In spite of all the pounding and the hollering, they all come and rip you to pieces. God, That part just made it, it it's impeccable amazing
1: it really does shift i mean the the imagery that you feel hearing that and the way that we talked about it, but the way that quint delivers that yeah oh my god
0: and there's all i was gonna pull out a bit from it too i also love in that monologue when he talks about it, he's like oh i saw my my friend from cleveland there mm-hmm. and i swam up to him and i realized he was eaten from that from his waist down Jesus Christ, Quint!
1: Yeah, holy fuck, man, tone it down Unreal. a little
0: bit. yeah.
1: You, uh, you have a lot of Hooper in there, though. There was a lot of, a lot of Hooper lines. I feel like I, love I didn't Hooper. include as many.
0: Yeah, I, uh, Hooper's great. Richard Dreyfuss is awesome, and his character—I don't know—he's as as serious as Hooper is because you know he's the biologist, he's the smartest one. He also is the jokester of the group too. So if anyone's yeah. got those zingers, it's him.
1: Well, and he laughs quite a bit, which which is really, yeah. really good acting, I think, because it's like it's a painful, but also like a happy-go-lucky laugh. I guess you know he's just like a cheerful, but also there's so much there's so much rage and anger behind it. Yeah, he's like ha 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 Yeah, yeah, he's like forcing it, but he loves it. It's uh, it's serial killer ask, but I but I like it. Yeah. So you know, keeping with the you know with the different scenes and the and the feels here, I think the camera does a really good job building up the suspense and showing some really good shots, whether they're still or moving. What are some of your nominees and ultimate winner for the the best shots that the camera has here?
0: So, I'm excluding all of the shots that are of. The, the shark coming up, and you see people's legs floating because that's just, those are constant throughout the movie, and they are so innovative and genius. So I'm not mm-hmm. including those, but the, I'm shouting those out because those are unbelievable. Um, I already referenced it earlier, but it my, my shot of the movie, and it's in my favorite scene, it's the close up of Brody when Alex Kittner, when he sees Alex Kittner's raft being destroyed. Uh, it it's, might be the best close up face zoom in shot I've ever seen, and that you have the score. Bring you know go up in the background and you see Brody's face drop. It's it's unbelievable. Um, so that that's my winner. But then I had some some honorary mentions. Just I love the when the three of them are on the orca and it's that first overhead shot. It's that bird's eye view of the shark swimming past them and we actually see how big it is. And then uh, Hooper's like that's a twenty footer and Quint's like twenty five. Twenty five. You, you actually <laughs> yeah. and you actually see how big the shark is and what they're dealing with. Uh, I love that shot too. And then one more I want to reference is when Hooper is in the cage when he's trying to inject the shark with that needle and uh, the shark is charging at him and you see his eyes because you hear that like little faint underwater scream and then you see his eyes just bulge through those goggles and it shows how terrified he is. So those are my three. But again, Brody, uh, the close up of Brody's number one. How about you?
1: Those are fantastic. I actually don't have any of those. So this will be exciting. I, I, again, the honorary mention of the, of the looking up at the feet from underwater. Mm-hmm. So iconic, so good. But the next one I had is the camera where it's actually situated at the base of the beach. And it's when everyone thinks there's a shark. It's actually a fake shark. The kids are playing a prank. Mm-hmm. But everyone is running to shore and it's splashing. It's like splashing the camera and you see everyone's feet in fear. Some people crawling crawling actually back to shore. So I love that fear of almost the entire town really at once. Um, I think that's really good. The one that sticks in my memory is the still picture of everyone with the wrong shark, the tiger shark. Oh yeah. And you know, the, the camera kind of freezes for a minute cause it's as, as if it's taking a picture, mm-hmm. but you know, I just, I just love that, that picture there. And then The last one I had is my ultimate winner, but it's the, the camera is from Quint's office, home, shack, whatever you want to call it. And it's looking out at the Orca as everyone, not everyone, chief Hooper and Quint are boarding. And it's looking through this like ring of teeth of a shark. And so that kind of sets the frame. And I really like how that's done is it's, you know, it's, it's all about the shark right now, yet you can still see them boarding the boat. Um, that's, that's my ultimate winner there.
0: Nice. I love that. Um, I, I love the, the first shot you mentioned where everyone thinks that it's the shark out there, but it's the kids and everyone is going nuts that, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it in a little bit, how symbolic this movie is for what's happening in the world right now. But um, that scene, especially it's, Once people think that there's a shark out there, it's like every man for himself. Everyone is losing their minds, pushing people down. There's a guy who steals a kid's raft to like try to get out. (laughs) It's it's like everyone goes nuts because there's just one thing that's threatening all of them. And and you know it has that close up of like an old man who falls on the sand and it like zooms in on his face. Right. I I love that one too. That's that's a great call.
1: Those fucking kids. Horrible. (laughs) So
0: moving on, um this one's going to be really quick. So movie farts when we talk about maybe some some plot holes or or things within the storyline that don't necessarily add up or kind of make you scratch your head. What do you got here?
1: I actually have 3 of them. Oh wow. Which nice. was interesting watching it for my first time, but I was I was able to pick up on a couple. So the first one, Hooper calls the day of to say that he's not going to go on his 18-month expedition. <laughs> <laughs> it's like give a little bit of a heads up but he calls like that morning he's like got a great white here not coming they're like what the fuck dude so i mean minor detail but i thought that was kind of odd and funny the the second one the guy who's killed when he's on the boat in the pond Mm -hmm. yeah where where brody's son is he's wearing socks and shoes on his (laughs) boat you oh you deserve to die man. You Oh why? my
0: god. He was wearing he was wearing uh, like high white socks and socks and sneakers. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm like what, are you, what the fuck are you doing, dude? That's hilarious.
0: I've never even <laughs> thought about that. Oh my god. Yeah, I was like what are you doing? Yeah, so Yeah,
1: true. Glad he's gone and then the last one I was kind of uh, This one was pretty legitimate to me. You know, everyone's making a fuss about the $10,000 that Quint is requesting to kill the shark, I think no one's really making the case how $10,000 is a smaller price to pay than potentially the entire reputation of the island and a whole summer of revenue lost. You know, that could be a a ton of loss um, of incoming revenue from a crazy shark, and ten thousand dollars i mean it's a lot of money back then for sure but probably a smaller price to pay than the entire city you know being shut down so i would have liked to see someone make that that analogy there but um other than i mean those are those are all relatively minor you you can't say anything you know truly damning to this movie
0: yeah i that's actually a really good one i didn't consider either that they could potentially lose millions for amity Island Mm -hmm. if if you know, if they don't get this situation taken care of soon, so ten thousand dollars compared to that is, is pretty
1: nothing. Uh, right. So I had none.
0: I didn't. Okay. I didn't have any. I
1: not even the socks and shoes on the boat. That, that fucking that, that <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, going back, I guess I'd say that now. But yeah, I I had none. That, that um honestly, this movie is so close to so close to perfect. Um, I I didn't have any movie farts. So so that said, uh, I'm gonna. Kick us off to a break and then we'll get back into it in a sec. This episode of Butterless Popcorn is brought to you by Quick Sticks. Don't you hate it when you're running into a store for a fast visit but you can't find any parking besides toe zones and handicap spots? With Quick Sticks, you can use these restricted parking spots and know that your car will be okay. Running into the dry cleaners and parking in the corner bus stop? No biggie. By placing your Quick Stick sticker on your windshield during this run in, You'll remain parking ticket and tow free. The only rule is that you must be gone from that spot within six minutes. Order your Quick Stick now at QuickStickUsers.com and use the promo code BPOPCORNPOD for 30% off on your first purchase. That's B, the first letter of my first name, followed by PopcornPOD. Quick Sticks, the quickest way to park.
1: Welcome back to Butterless Popcorn. We are talking about Jaws today. Brett, let's kick off our second segment here, Casting Calls. We'll start with the first question here, which I think is going to be pretty easy for us, but you know, we got to ask it anyway. But who's the biggest asshole in this film?
0: Although you could make a small argument for Quint, it's Mayor Vaughn. <clears throat> um, <laughs> this guy is as close to what Donald Trump is right now than like anyone I think I've ever seen in a movie. All he cares about is profiting from the tourists who come to Amity Island, and it takes three dead people in a week for him to close the beaches. So it, I mean, the real question is, you know, how many dead people will it take for Trump to, to put his foot down on Florida, or Arizona, or all these other states that are spiking from COVID cases? So, but yeah, Mayor Vaughn... He's a he's a shithead and he's only out for himself. So him.
1: Yeah, I mean, it it's really once Brody said your kids, or or no, sorry, uh, Mayor Vaughn actually mentioned himself that his kids were in the same yeah. pond and lake where, where that happened. So, you know, that's what finally put him over the edge. But no question about it, you you said it best. Only cares about profit, and he's just like. Dick the entire time. Yeah, he's ruthless.
0: I the scene that really made my insides churn when I was watching this with him. When I was like, "Oh God, I hate this guy." Is right before that scene when everyone runs out of the water and everyone's first sitting on the sitting on the on the shore and nobody's going in the water. And he goes up to that old guy and he's like, "Why aren't you in the water?" And the guy's like, "Well, I'm working on my tan." And Mayor Vaughn's like, get in the water. Nobody's in the water. Son of a He's bitch. He's like, it's a beautiful day. Get in the water. And then everyone follows. And it's like that whole disaster was because of him.
1: It's so true. God, I I, I agree. That was the most cringeworthy part. And then I think I'd add that just the way he looks. <laughs> <laughs> he, you know, he just looks like an asshole, too. Everything about that casting is perfect. So I, I mean, I, I don't think we need to go too you know too much more in depth about this one. Mayor Vaughn, to me, is asshole number one. I, I do have one honorary mention. It's the guy you mentioned that kicks the kid off the raft. <laughs> yeah, <he's> tr- <laughs> yeah. When he's trying to come back after the fake shark, I mean, fuck that guy too. But he's no Mayor Vaughn.
0: No, Mayor Vaughn sucks. Um, he could possibly compete with Regina George for all time biggest movie oh, wow. asshole. I don't know. <laughs> That, that'd that be that'd be uh,
1: something. I, at least Regina didn't kill anyone. True. Indirectly. True. Yeah. True.
0: So, Adam, if Jaws was placed in the eyes of another protagonist, so if it was not Chief Brody, who would that protagonist be, and how would the movie unfold through their eyes?
1: Oh, I got a strange feeling you got the same one as me, but I'm going Quint.
0: Oh, I do not have Quint. Good. Really? Yeah. Okay, great.
1: So, um, yeah, I'll get into it then. To so Quint, you know, to say the guy has been around the block is quite the understatement. Yeah. He's seen numerous shark attacks, countless fatalities. Quint has he's really gotten the best of plenty of sharks, but he hasn't quite felt the fulfillment, that self-fulfillment that he needs. And you know, he, he's trying to figure out what he needs to reach that enlightened stage. Does he need to capture a great white? You know, does he need To once again have the company of a team like he did on the USS Indianapolis. Uh, Potentially, he needs both. And I think, you know, as the movie progresses, Quint realizes that all he really needed was to just grab a few drinks with a couple (laughs) teammates, you know, on a similar mission and, uh, you know, going after the biggest catch of their lives, shooting the shit and sharing their stories. And once he has that, he's ready to go and just f- horrifically eaten <laughs> by a shark. But, but up until that point, it's, you know, a little bit of self-enlightenment. So Qu- Quint reaches that final stage and, you know, couldn't be happier.
0: For some reason, and I... I'm not quite sure why, but when you when you just talked about all he needs is to just have a couple of drinks with some guys, I pictured have a couple of brewskis. I, I pictured I pictured Owen Wilson being in that scene.
1: <laughs> it's the way I said it, it's just ah, just grab a couple drinks.
0: <laughs> Quent, why are you such a lame ass? Loosen we, up, we man. <laughs>
1: we, we can't go an hour and a half without fucking talking about Owen Wilson. No, I
0: think he's he's probably the most referenced actor on our podcast for sure through all of our it's episodes
1: he, he, he and Jim Carrey <laughs> we always talk about- oh yeah do you know
0: Jim Carrey was uh supposed to be in the role of Chief Brody
1: <laughs> we always talk about how he was supposed to be in that role and how it would have sucked with Jim Carrey I in know. it
0: oh man that's really good that's though it. and it, it's actually so the way you described that through the eyes of Quint a lot of that you can kind of infer that that's how Spielberg wanted Quint to be portrayed too. He's right, this very right. distant guy who has been th- to hell and back and is, you know, is not a very social person and and likes to be on his own and and struggles a lot. So that that's really that's really cool they kind of connected those together.
1: One more thing on that scene by the way. This is part of the research I was doing before this podcast, but there was originally a part written about Hooper and Ellen Brody getting it on. Yeah. And Spielberg was like, that kind of ruins this whole scene Mm -hmm. of, you know, the camaraderie that they feel. And it would just, there'd be this weird tension between Hooper and Brody and it just wouldn't work out. So, I mean, I completely agree that that would completely destroy this scene, which is such a big, I know it's like our arguably favorite part of the movie for me, but, um, Yeah, to just take us through the eyes of Quint, there, it it is, you know, indirectly through the eyes of Quint, but to directly show the movie through him, I think would be would be awesome.
0: That would be really cool.
1: So, what do you got? So I had Mayor Vaughn here.
0: Okay. Uh, Okay. So just, (laughs) uh, so hear me out. He's he's got his re-election. For mayor coming up and he, if he wants to get ahead in the polls Amity island needs to have a prosperous summer with lots of tourism and lots of dollars coming in and he's got to get the beaches open he's got to have a great a great few months especially fourth of july that's their biggest date of the year if people if the people are happy and coming in he's guaranteed re-election And there's this new, young, progressive, liberal, hotshot candidate breathing down his neck. And Vaughn is terrified. He's constantly meeting with his political advisors, talking about how he can get ahead in his mayoral campaign, what types of ads he can put out there that'll get the people wanting him. And then when the first shark attack happens, when Chrissy dies and Brody comes complaining to him, Vaughn knows that the beaches should be closed. But his campaign is just too important. If those beaches shut down, he's he has no chance of getting reelected. And then another attack happens. And then another. And now he's completely losing it. He, he's in complete mental disarray. He's drinking. He's smoking more than he ever has. Is that scene of him smoking in the hospital? Just asinine. <laughs> uh, he finally closes the beaches. He lets, he lets the ounce of moral good inside of him take over and he finally closes the beaches. But now with three people dead, the people living in Amity Island hate him even more than they would have if he closed them before because he didn't close them sooner. He costed, it was his fault that three people died or the two, two people died essentially. And they blame him and it costs him the election because he didn't close the beaches soon enough.
1: Now that you just previewed November twenty twenty here, yeah. <laughs>
0: hopefully, hopefully. Uh, yeah. Uh,
1: no, that's I I love it it's spot on. I mean, I I couldn't help but think about the coronavirus pandemic while watching this movie. I mean, you you sent me that that picture mm-hmm. before where it kind of characterizes each of the different characters in Jaws and it, and it compares them to to real life scenario that we're going through right now. But
0: thanks, Twitter that picture yeah
1: seriously it's spot on i mean i the whole time so i when you sent me that i actually didn't want to look at it because i didn't want it to give anything away yeah and then when i was watching the movie i was like you know what this reminds me of (laughs) you know 2020 yeah and now i uh and then i looked at the picture and i was like holy shit this guy's spot on so yeah i mean i that's that's an interesting synopsis too really
0: (laughs) yeah no i i mean the 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 similarities between mayor Vaughn and, and Donald Trump right now are pretty jarring. So I don't know if Steve, I don't know if Steven Spielberg, uh, was able to see 40 years into the future, 45 years into the future, but, uh, came pretty close. That's for sure.
1: Pretty damn close. It's, it's spot on. It's, it's almost freaky to be honest, but, um, I'm down, I'm down to watch that one as well. (laughs) Um, you know, going with the theme of switching things up a bit, Maybe Donald Trump's in this movie. I don't know. But who would you like to see replace one of the stars uh, in Jaws?
0: This one's pretty fun. I had Harrison Ford as Chief Brody.
1: Love it. Yeah. Love I, it right away. I
0: mean, it's, you know, Harrison Ford is, is known for playing a badass who can get the job done, get his hands dirty, plain and simple. But he also brings a certain wit and cleverness into a lot of his roles. Uh, and I, I think he'd he'd murder it as as Brody. And so we, we obviously see this, his partnership with Spielberg for the Indiana Jones series, which was made after Jaws. Um but yeah, I th- I think he would be really good as as Chief Brody, even in terms of when when he's really down and upset after Alex Kittner's mother just lashes at him. But then in his in his big moments, when he comes up big at the end and he kills the shark, I think Harrison Ford would be would be pretty good in that.
1: I I really like that. I think he's got um, the ability to when he is you know the hero and saves the day he's still kind of humble about right, it, which right. is similar to you know to that Brody character. He you can see kind of his emotion. It doesn't get the best of him, but you can see that it drives him a little bit in, in Harrison Ford. So I, I really like that. I think I think that'd be a good casting right there. Um, I I had a different one for Brody, and mine is Robert Hayes. He plays Ted Stryker. Yeah. in airplane. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, he's kind of like the unexpected hero, which he, you know, he's played an airplane. He could play an airplane was made just five six years after, uh-huh. uh, after Jaws. But, you know, he's kind of a in an airplane, Ted Striker. He's he's a uh, he's a bystander who's just kind of happens to be there, but he steps up unexpectedly and really saves the day. <laughs> and uh, you know, he's he's sweating. He's sweating quite a bit, but. <laughs> Uh, you know, he gets the job done and, and, and pretty much saves everyone from dying. So, uh, that's, that's, that's where my, that's where my inspiration was.
0: I just can't take Robert Hayes seriously.
1: No, you can't.
0: I just can't (laughs) take him seriously. Like, I have no doubts that he could be the hero. He does save the day in airplane, but, um, at the same time (laughs) in airplane, he is, he is just off the rails the whole time. so uh, he's a loose cannon he's it's a great. loose cannon hopefully he doesn't let his his drinking problem uh <laughs> get in the way of killing the shark
1: that's great well no he, he we, we do see brody take a uh a reasonable correct way to drink in the beginning of the movie so that might be trouble i do have one honorary mention though yeah and this one i really like it's replacing richard dreyfus as hooper Jeff Goldblum.
0: Oh wow, I like that a lot. I thought you were gonna say Josh Gad.
1: <laughs> God, I wish. No, I could do it. No, oh. Jeff Goldblum. You yes. know,
0: well, it's kind of what he is in Jurassic Park. He's yeah, he's and
1: Independence that, Day in a way too. Yeah, he's the
0: he's the he's the science guy who brings all this knowledge of how, you know how to get you how to get the job done. He's there to like support you know the the protagonist who's kind of the, the tougher guy on the mission. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I have I have no no argument against that at all.
1: Have you, Have you seen Frank Caliendo's impersonation of Jeff Goldblum? It's I, it's incredible.
0: I have not. I'm sure it's amazing though.
1: <laughs> you have to watch it right after this. It's oh, it's so good. You'll love it.
0: That's great. So Adam, answer this for me because this was very easy for me. And when I when I subbed this person in, I loved it immediately. Would this movie be better or worse with Philip Seymour Hoffman in it?
1: I have it better and and I really have two different roles that he could play. One of them would be Mayor Vaughn. I think oh, wow. I, I think he'd be fantastic as Mayor Vaughn. The other one I have is Philip Seymour Hoffman plays some kind of wealthy investor that buys up like a lot of the coastal land sure. on Abity Island and he just refuses to let marine biologists or police or anyone intervene with his beach businesses. And he just becomes like the biggest pest. And we actually kind of see this like earlier in the movie with like the developers and kind of the powerful businessmen getting in the way of chief Brody. Yeah. And I think Philip Seymour Hoffman is just like the biggest dick here. And he's like the king of those businessmen. And I, I just love seeing PSH as, as a douchebag. So
0: me too. He's great. As a yeah,
1: dick. absolutely better.
0: So I of course agree it would be better. I think he would be Hooper. Whoa, I see him as that huh. I see him as that super charismatic, brilliant jokester. I think he'd knock it out of the park in that role. But again, as you just said, I think he'd be really good as Mayor Vaughn, too. I mean the thing about Philip Seymour Philip Seymour Hoffman, he was so dynamic and could play so many different roles. You know, he he was able to play that that maniacal leader in the master, like how, how he would be as mayor Vaughn, but then he he was able to be super silly, like in a long came Polly. Uh, right. so I, he was so dynamic. He could have done either of those, but when I thought of him, I think he would be amazing as Hooper. I mean, just picture him in the all denim outfit with his, with glasses. <laughs> yeah. He's walking around. He's that, he's that hotshot young scientist who puts these conservative cops and local officials in their place. I think he'd absolutely murder as Hooper.
1: Brody, we got a situation here. <laughs> Try to fart and a little shit came out. Archer <laughs> shirted. Oh man, that's uh I like that though. I mean to your point. He could play anyone. He play can anyone. play Brody. I mean he, he really could probably. Could.
0: Rest in peace, Philip yeah. Hoffman.
1: Funny as hell playing those bagpipes though. <laughs> Jesus
0: Christ superstar. <laughs>
1: Oh, man, that's so good. God, okay. Yeah, it's tough to lose that guy, but moving on here, Brett, before we cut to another break here, it's time for some trivia. Oh, so yeah. you've known this movie, you know, you've seen it quite a few times. You know, I'm kind of a first-time watcher of this, but, you know, I, I'm interested to see what, what you've got and how, how deep your knowledge really goes. So why don't you kick us off with the with some trivia questions
0: you're pretty good at taking note of some of those subtleties in the movie too so i wouldn't be surprised if you kept me on a few uh, i have i have a few here and you actually answered one of them way early on i the, my first one was what was the name of the boat it's clearly uh,
1: i had the same one i had to cross that one there off too know, yeah
0: yep, yep cross that off so let's get into this uh oh no we you actually answered another one uh how much did quint charge to kill the shark you answered that too 10k, Bummer. yeah, 10 grand. So good thing I have about four others here.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Um. So the the shark that the fishermen caught that they thought was the great white, what kind of shark was it?
1: I actually did mention this earlier as well. It's a tiger shark.
0: Oh, well done. Yeah, I don't remember you mentioning that earlier. But oh, because we yeah, were talking about you're talking about the the still image, the picture. Yep. Great. What was in I guess this is kind of easy. The, the tank that Jaws eats that kills him. What's in it?
1: It's like some kind of compressed air or something like that. I don't know what the, I don't know what the, I don't know what it actually is. Yeah.
0: I think it's just compressed air. It's just an oxygen tank.
1: Oh, okay. Because when Hooper goes
0: in, in the, in the cage, it's, 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 it's his oxygen tank. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, my last two are a little more difficult, and they ironically both have to do with license plates.
1: Oh my God, okay,
0: right. so when they are when Brody and Hooper are gutting the tiger shark, remember that scene when they're you know proving that it's not the great white that they're looking for, they're like cutting open its stomach and rummaging through it, right yep and and Hooper's like throwing shit out of it he he has a license plate, and he's like, oh. I knew it came from the Gulf coast and he throws a license plate and the license plate has a state on it. What state is that?
1: Oh man. There is, there's a state in my head for some reason, but it doesn't make any sense. Um, but then it doesn't make sense because of the Gulf, Gulf coast part. Um, it's not Florida. I want to say Colorado. That's the one that keeps coming to my mind. It's I'm not going to say that though. It um I don't know, Georgia? It's
0: Louisiana.
1: Oh, no.
0: I mean that was that's a pretty obscure one.
1: I know. I mean I I, I feel like I still should have gotten that one, but that was a good one.
0: And then my final one, which also has to do with license plates. So it's the scene when we meet Hooper right before Hooper comes on. And Brody calls his, his partner or like his assistant, that other cop, into into that mm-hmm. room he's in. Be like, get these people out of here. Like, you know these people. And that guy's like, I don't know these people. Do you see these license plates? They're not from around here. And he says, three states. He's like, do you see those license plates? those license plates yeah. blank 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 what are the states
1: oh goodness all right i want to stick with colorado in this one <laughs> <laughs> um i mean I'm, I'm guessing it's somewhat from the area
0: yeah all three are from um, all three are around where they're from
1: you know what let's go new york new jersey and connecticut Ooh,
0: you got two out of the three actually not new uh, york Want to give it another crack?
1: New Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania?
0: Rhode Island. Oh, damn it. Hey, pretty close.
1: Yeah, I remember it was being from that tri-state uh, yeah. area. He's like, I
0: don't know these people. Do you see those license plates out there? Connecticut, Rhode Island, New Jersey?
1: There's got to be some Colorado somewhere dropped in that movie. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no what
0: way. Is. They, are, they no couldn't way. be further away from Colorado. <laughs> yeah.
1: I know. I know. That's good. Okay, so I have... Um, I have... Two. Well, I had three, but one of them was the name of the vessel that Quint was on. Which I mean, we've, we've the, talked about the that. The USS times. Indianapolis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the other two. So not how much does Quint request for, for catching the shark, but how much does Quint want a day, whether he catches the shark or not?
0: Uh, I believe that is two hundred.
1: Nice, two hundred dollars. And the last question I have is: What card game is Hooper playing? On the orca. Huh. By himself. Huh.
0: Huh. <laughs> you may have stumped me here, Adam. Um.
1: Do you remember the the scene? I'm trying of him to. Playing?
0: I'm trying to remember. What card game is he playing?
1: Yeah, he's playing a card game by himself on the orca. Hooper is.
0: Oh my god. I have no idea.
1: So it's solitaire. And I don't even he's remember at this. F- he's in the front of the boat, the camera's kind of higher up, and Hooper's like playing with some cards down below. I think Quint then asks Brody to do something, and he's like, Why do why doesn't Hooper do it? And he's like, Hooper steals the boat. Yeah, I remember or that. Or something scene. like yeah. that. Um, but while that's while that conversation's happening, Hooper's just playing solitaire with cards wow. in the front of the boat by himself. Yeah.
0: How did you get that? That solitaire? You just saw that? That's what he was playing. Yeah, with?
1: yeah. You could just see this the cards, you know, all laid out and in, in how solitaire would. Wow, be.
0: Wow, that was a hell of a question, Adam. I'm impressed.
1: <laughs> nice. I got one. That was that <laughs> was
0: really good.
1: I'm fired up that I stumped you on one.
0: Wow. Uh, I'm so rattled from that. Uh, I need to go take a quick break. This episode of Butterless Popcorn is brought to you by Fresh Toes. If you're anything like me, your feet are not the best-smelling part of your body. That's why I use Fresh Toes, the newest foot freshener on the market. Unlike most foot sprays, Fresh Toes are little scented caps that you place on top of your toes to make your stinky feet smell great. Try them in all sorts of smells, from mint and bubblegum to grilled filet and asparagus. It's time to take care of your feet. So do it with Fresh Toes. Get your first supply of Fresh Toes by going to freshtoes.net and use the promo code BUTTERLESS over BUTTER for a 10% discount. Fresh Toes, the best solution for smelly feet. Welcome back to Butterless Popcorn where we are talking about Jaws. Adam, next category is plot what-ifs. What do you got?
1: So I have one here and... It's what if Mayor Vaughn never signs off on hiring Quint? Oof. You know, do they do they somehow get him do they somehow get Quint to get the shark anyway? Are they able to convince him? Do they play politics behind the mayor's back? Does you know, Quint have this revelation and decide to just do it anyway without the 10 grand? Do they negotiate this? Does, does Quint just not go after the shark? I mean, there's so many different ways that this could play out.
0: Yeah. Um, shit. That's a really good question. I, I don't think Quint gets involved at all because as much as he would want to take down that shark, he says in the beginning during that town hall meeting, he's not risking his neck just, just to do it. He's got to get paid the big bucks.
1: So, do you think Brody has the ability to kind of like just show up at his door and just convince him it's for the greater good?
0: Uh, I don't know. I, by this time of the movie, maybe. If, if you're asking me in the beginning of the movie, no. Because, you know, the journey Brody takes, he goes from... is really incredible. He gains so much courage throughout the film. Um, and so by that point, his son was in the hospital. Brody has had enough. So maybe, but... I don't know. Maybe it, if if Vaughn doesn't sign that contract, I feel like Brody tries to call in the Coast Guard or something to take care of it. What do you think? Yeah,
1: I think I think that's fair too. Um, I like to think that there's a little bit of part of Quint that says, "Yeah, fuck it, I'll just do it." And I'm trying to think. I know there's another movie, and I, I for some reason it's not coming to mind. But someone's like very reluctant to help save the day. And he ends up dying in doing so, but he gets the fulfillment of saving the day. I, I'm gonna have to really think hard about what movie I'm thinking of here because it's really in the back of my head. But Independence Day. maybe, maybe it's somewhat like it's the Jeff Goldblum. Well, <laughs> no, I'm talking, to... I'm talking.
0: about the when Randy Quaid. He's that guy who everyone thought was nuts, right. and then he's the one who flies into the spaceship when he's like, "Hello, boys! I'm yeah, back." Yeah,
1: actually, you know, it, yeah, it is kind of like that. Actually, that might be it. <laughs> I think there's so many there's so many similarities to Independence Day for this for me, but um, yeah, something along those lines. Is Quint would just would just he just fucking do it?
0: Yeah, maybe he was so scarred from. That first shark experience he had with the sinking of the USS Indianapolis that it's like he just wants revenge on the shark and he's like, fuck it, I'll do it for free.
1: Yeah, he somehow finds out or that, you know, that the shark, that shark specifically killed his friends. Oh, wow. You know, it's like the, it's like Happy Gilmore, the gator with the one eye. You know, he's <laughs> able to identify the shark and he's like, he that's killed son bitch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so that's all the motivation he needs.
0: That is pretty good. Or Brody just pays him out of pocket because he can't take it.
1: Uh, it could be a two.
0: <laughs> um, so that's really good. I like that a lot more than what I had. Mine's pretty straightforward. But so what if Brody does not shoot the oxygen tank to blow up the shark before the orca sinks? Because he's literally on his last like leg of being above water when he finally hits it. If he misses a couple more shots, that boat is completely submerged, and Brody's just just floating in water. So, if he doesn't hit by then, and he's just floating in water with that gun, what happens? Does he does he swim up to the shark and get a better shot, somehow shooting underwater or something, or does the shark just tear him to shreds?
1: That's that's a go. I mean, he's he would pretty much have one shot to do it if he doesn't get the shark when that close up i mean he's gone he's dead yeah i like to think you know he's a sheriff he's chief he's uh should be skilled enough with a gun whether it's a pistol or rifle that he's floating in the water he's he's treading he's got one last bullet in the gun and but the, the question is though is would he be too close to where he's kind of in that explosion too right so I don't know. I like to think he's still he's still able to, to take care of the shark, but I think he'll have a little bit more scars to prove it when he comes back to the island.
0: Yeah, it actually would be kind of it would be a cool ending if he if he sacrifices himself to kill the shark. I'd kind of like that. I mean, I love the way it currently ends, but like, let's say he the boat does sink and he has to swim up and he has to like go underwater and like shoot the shark or something, right? In because right, because the, the tank is right on the edge of the shark's mouth. So like he can get a clear shot if he's like for some reason face to face with the shark. If he mm-hmm. gets that and the shark blows up and he dies too. I wouldn't mind that.
1: That wouldn't be bad. And then the final scene you'd have Hooper coming up to the to the surface level and just looking around. Yeah, and then, and then and then it's the credits. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I like that. Wouldn't be as happy of an ending, but uh a good one nonetheless. Yeah, I'll take
1: it. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, I'm in. Right on. Um, so, kind of going off that that same you know thought process here. If you could redo the movie entirely in a different genre, what genre would you choose, and then describe the plot for us?
0: Sure. So, you actually referenced a point that I'm going to bring back up for this a little earlier. So, in in the novel, Hooper and Ellen Brody have an affair, and Spielberg took that part out. So I'm going to put a little twist on this and kind of bring that back in. My genre is romantic comedy. Ellen is sleeping with Quint and Hooper.
1: <laughs> both?
0: She's sleeping with both of them. Like at first, she meets Hooper first, and she's just drawn to how charismatic and intelligent he is. Boom. That scene when bear. they
1: have dinner. Oh, yeah. she
0: lo- that, 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 yeah. that would be it. She loves him. Yep. And then she meets Quint. She's like, oh, this guy is unlike any other human I've ever encountered in my life. I just need him in the sack. So she's having an affair. And all three men find out at the same time. And they all confront her. They're like, what are you doing, Ellen? And Chief Brody especially is like, you're my wife. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) And so she offers to give herself to the man who kills the shark because the town is being terrorized by the shark. People are dying. She's like, listen, whoever could be the hero and save the day. I'm yours. So the three of them set out on the mission together to kill the beast and win the girl. And while they're on the Orca together, it's, it's them hating each other. Yet at the same time, you know, there's like that silly chemistry between chief Brody and Hooper and then Hooper and Quint even get along a little bit when they're showing their scars to each other. But ultimately they're they're competing against each other to kill the shark and to get Ellen Brody's attention.
1: So so little John Tucker must die. A little bit, and a little bit, <laughs> a little bit. Um that would be super entertaining. It'd probably <laughs> yeah. be a terrible movie. It would be awful. It'd be
0: so <laughs> bad. It would be so bad. Yeah.
1: But super entertaining. So who who gets the girl at the end? Or or do they say fuck it? No one no one gets the girl. Yeah. They're I like, see, fuck this bitch.
0: Uh I didn't think that far ahead, to be honest. Um, I don't know. Maybe they, I don't know. Maybe they all die, and she doesn't get anyone. And she's there, and it, like the last shot of the movie is like her finding out they all died, and she's just like, "On to the next." <laughs> slut. Yeah, seriously. I, I, I don't know. I didn't think that far ahead, honestly. It's a good question, but I think it'd be a, a funny yet horrible movie. It would probably be like a, a twenty two on Rotten Tomatoes.
1: Yeah, that's uh, right in that range. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but, so but what's... like, but like, fan score of like eighty. Yeah,
0: a <laughs> yeah. new twist on the classic Jaws.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, what's no, yours mine is, here? Mine is nothing similar. It's a sci-fi slash action movie. Nice. So, just like a wave of killer sharks storm the beaches like Normandy, and take over the island. And they're just... I mean, they'll destroy anything in their way. They'll kill anyone to make it happen. And so the survivors, which include Brody, Hooper, and Quint, are kind of pushed to the center of the island as the sharks kind of surround and, and storm their way in. And, you know, they're in the center, and they've got, like, their brain trust, and they're they're going over the different methods and their options. You know, they could blow up the island and just helicopter the fuck out of there. <laughs> they could just declare all out war and just get as much ammunition as possible and just try to take these guys down. Um or, you know, they could just sit back and have a couple drinks in the final hours <laughs> with Owen Wilson or something. I was gonna say no, but... Owen Wilson has to
0: be in this movie now.
1: Yeah, <laughs> no, just uh just, you know, celebrate the time that they had and call it quits. Um and so, you know, the the movie kind of takes place really in that one center of the island that one setting of them trying to you know go over the options it's kind of independence they like
0: i'm a fan i'd watch that it sounds pretty intense
1: yeah and then how it ends is uh jeff goldblum actually comes out of nowhere <laughs> and he's got this antidote or this shark repellent that that somehow you know they can spray and, and kills all the sharks and, and saves the day
0: I mean any movie that has Jeff Goldblum saving the day is a fantastic
1: film. Oh, hundred percent. So that that that's a must. So Yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's Independence Day. Let's let's be real.
0: <laughs> Independence Day <laughs> with, with a shark instead of aliens. Is Will Smith in this though?
1: No. <laughs> no, I'm not a Will Smith guy.
0: Oh man, I I I like Will Smith. I always have.
1: Yeah. No, I he doesn't have a role for this. Philip Seymour Hoffman's not in it either.
0: No. Is is the cast the same besides the addition of Jeff Goldblum?
1: I think so, yeah. yeah. Perfect. Yeah.
0: Love it. Uh, moving on here Adam. Does jaws make the Mount Rushmore for anyone involved with the film?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um everyone. <laughs> yes. It's uh, right? Everyone. I yeah. mean Yeah. Um the only one that I had a little bit of trouble deciding was Steven Spielberg. Sure, I shouldn't even heart. say trouble. I mean, I, this—that's the his best one where word.
0: you. That's one where you have to think about it for like five seconds.
1: Exactly, and I, I went back to actually to our "Catch Me If You Can" show, and I had originally put Schindler's List, which I remember. I did, you you I put it screwed. off, which was very controversial, but <laughs> um, Schindler's list, saving private Ryan jaws. And then I had catch me if you can in there as well. I think Jurassic park is the other one where you could, you know, make a case for it. What not? I mean, there's a few others obviously, mm-hmm. but uh, I keep it. Yes. Because I think jaws is number one there. And one, you know, I didn't actually write this down. I don't know why not, but John Williams, I mean, it's, amazing. It's absolutely in there. This score is, is I don't know how many times we've brought it up on this show, but the score is one of the best lasting moments or lasting memories really. And one of the biggest legacies. And we'll get to that in a second, but, uh, it's, it's really, it's truly incredible here. So those guys are the, are the two where I actually kind of had to think about it, like you said, for a second, but I mean, up and down the list, everyone, Mount Rushmore. Yes. For me.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree. So (laughs) To bring up my controversial Spielberg take from our "Catch Me If You Can" pod, um, I don't know what I was thinking there. I, I was, I, was, I was, asinine take, absolutely terrible. So <laughs> I, I do, I do think Jaws is Steven Spielberg's best film for sure. Um, I also had in his Mount Rushmore alongside Jaws, I had Schindler's List. I took out "Catch Me If You Can." Sorry, "Catch Me If You Can," and I added E. T oh yeah yeah and uh raiders of the lost ark it's so that first indiana jones film I, I mainly i kept it to the bigger names here but roy scheider who was huge in the 70s he was like he had a massive run in the 70s and then didn't do much else but jaws he is is what he's known for and then the french connection which is a great detective movie with gene hackman yeah really really good in that Love and, gene hackman yeah And then Marathon Man, which is awesome, with Dustin Hoffman, where his dentist is a neo-Nazi. And then he plays Dustin Hoffman's brother. He's really good in that. Uh, And then I have not seen All That Jazz, which was during that time, but that's one of the things he's famous for. So there. And then Dreyfus, Jaws, American Graffiti, which is great. He won an Oscar for The Goodbye Girl, which I've never seen. And then I feel like you probably love Mr. Holland's Opus. Am I wrong (laughs) for saying that? I feel like it's a movie that you love.
1: I've I've never seen that movie. Okay. Um... And and I don't think I would love that movie, but I think I gotta give it a shot now. <laughs>
0: I feel like you'd you enjoy Hall's
1: it. it. Hey, Dreyfus is in uh Close Encounters of the Third Kind as well. He is as well. Right. Yep. And yeah. What about Bob?
0: Oh yeah, he is in What About Bob. I don't like that movie.
1: I, I don't think I've seen it. It's to not, be honest.
0: For some, I always associate that and Groundhog Day together. I don't oh, I'm not quite sure why. I well, think they were made around the same time. I don't really like Groundhog Day either. Um, You're not a
1: Bill Murray guy.
0: I like Bill Murray. I'm not obsessed yeah. with Bill Murray. I know okay. we've ta- I know we've talked about how I don't think his Cameo in Zombie Lane is funny. <laughs>
1: yeah, it is the best.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um and then so Robert Shaw, who is way older than Scheider and Dreyfus, but amazing in Jaws and then he's also the only other thing I've ever seen him in. Uh, so From Russia with Love, which is the third James Bond movie. Yep. He's awesome in it. He's really good yep. in that, which was made like 10 years before Jaws. But then he's also in The Sting, which is super famous. I've never seen it with Paul Newman and Robert Redford. And then he was nominated for an Oscar for a movie called A Man for All Seasons, which I think he played Henry the Sixth or something like that. But hmm. anyway, Mount Rushmore is across the board. And finally, as you said, for John Williams, this score is incredible, epic. So yes. Yes for all.
1: Uh, Resounding guesses for both. I love it, um Brett let's we got the final question here. We always yeah. like to end off on this, but what is this movie's legacy?
0: I mean, it's it hits on a lot of points, as we talked about in the very beginning. Jaws really set the stage for action and adventure films at the box office, those summer blockbusters. It was one of the first ones ever with that. And that's a precedent that still happens today. You know, the months of basically May through August are just for those like huge box office adventure films. And Jaws was one of the first ones with that. So I'd say that's one of its lasting impacts and its legacy. Uh, We just talk about, the score again john williams but it's certainly one of the most recognizable movie scores of all time when you hear that like every even if you Mm -hmm. haven't seen jaws i feel like you know that that's the theme from jaws oh yeah you gotta yeah so there's that and then um finally i think i brought this up a little earlier people never felt the same about going swimming in the ocean ever again after seeing this film ever
1: you can't. I mean, you you can't feel safe no matter where you are.
0: Yeah. So I mean, those are the the three points I had for the legacy. How about you? Anything Anything to add to that?
1: Uh, you you basically hit on most of them. The one thing I'll add, and this is just, I loved the ending, the last scene. Yeah. And the reason why I love the last scene is because it was the last scene. So. There was no, like, hero's welcome when they came home. No cheesy dialogue between, you know, Vaughn and the rest of the guys or, you know, random city people coming up. You know, there was none of that crap. Um, It was just Chief and Hooper kicking their way to shore. Yeah. And there was nothing else that needed to be done. And I think that this could could be such a good framework for how to end movies as, you know, when it's over and when it's done, you end it. Right. You know, you, you don't keep going just to get like the good feel good moments, which so many movies nowadays do. You know, as White Goodman put it, the, the good guy always has to win in in American cinema. Um, but Jaws is just such a real movie, you know, and and, and that's what I just love about it.
0: I've always wondered about that final scene since I was a little kid watching Jaws. I've always wondered how long they had to paddle for to get back to shore.
1: Yeah, they were all, they were a ways out they there. They were a
0: ways out there. Well, I mean, obviously they were probably close enough where they could see it in the far distance because if they were stranded in the center of the ocean, they'd be fucked. So like I – you know. What were they paddling for for an hour for eight hours? Like,
1: yeah, I had no idea. Well, actually, here's another trivia question What day was it? Oh,
0: um, Brody's like, is it Wednesday? Right?
1: I I think it was Tuesday, Tuesday? or I think he asks Hooper, and Hooper's like, Tuesday? No, uh, it's Wednesday. I want to say (laughs) it's one of those two days, though. But the reason. the reason is because the tide is with them, right? So it's pushing them to shore. So maybe cut down on the kicking time a little bit, as it as True. it helps them out.
0: Yeah. But. Um. But yeah, about that ending. I mean, it. I agree. It just kind of they kill the shark. It has that little feel-good moment because the end is feel good. You know the yeah the, the the two most likable characters survive
1: but it's not that cheesy closing right. remarks that you would get, you know, in some of the fairy tale ending type movies.
0: Right. There's there's no point where they they see Mayor Vaughn and Mayor Vaughn puts his hand on Brody's shoulder and be like, "Congratulations, Brody. You did it. The whole town <laughs> yeah. loves you." Yeah, none of that shit. It just
1: You were right. I'm going to be stepping down as mayor and yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm giving you the keys to the city, Chief Brody. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Yeah, yeah but, no, that would be terrible. But yeah, this this movie, I mean, nothing much else, else to say. I am going to show this movie to my kids 100%. Um, I was, you know, my parents showed it to me. This is one of my dad's all-time favorite movies. Like, he showed it to me when I was a little kid. When I was a little kid, I was pretty scared of it, too. It was, when you're a little kid watching this movie, it'll it'll Man, terrify freaky. you. Yeah, but um, also when I was younger, I didn't appreciate, though, how good of an actual film it is. So it's it's absolutely incredible. One of the greatest movies of all time. We love Jaws. Anything else to add here, Adam, before we send it off? Yeah, no,
1: just, just make sure your kids are old enough to watch it before you put them in front of the screen.
0: Hey, it is rated PG.
1: Well, we were all rated PG back in the day there.
0: That's true. That's true. <laughs> well, this was really fun. Love talking about this movie. Until next time, thank you all for joining us again on, an, on this episode of Butterless Popcorn. Take care.